Welcome to Bible and Bourbon with Pastor Ben. Today we're studying the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, verses 1 through 14. John's done waiting. Thank you to everyone who reached out to me last week. I got an overflowing pour of support, which is just great. But I do want to mention one joy in particular that a listener sent me. His wife just gave birth to their first child, a daughter, and he is quite excited to have her enter into the world. We are praying for you and your happiness, and I want you to remember that when you're up at 3 in the morning. Today, I am drinking Larceny bourbon. Larceny is distilled in Heaven Hills Distillery. It comes from the Old Fitzgerald line of bourbons, which was purchased by Heaven Hill back in the 90s. It is a weeded bourbon, very weeded, and as you take your first sip, you will notice how, well, almost thin it seems. But even though it is thin, it still is full of flavor. Particularly, you get a number of spices to it, nutmeg and, and honey. It's a very pleasant bourbon and very enjoyable to sip. Now let's start our study off with a prayer. Almighty God, we come to you today as your children, your children in need of your guidance. Allow us to relax and listen to your words, to feel your spirit move through our very being. Allow this not to be the best part of our day, but merely a building block to something better to come. Amen. From the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, verses 1 through 14. After Jesus had finished instructing his twelve disciples, he went from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised. The good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not... What did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in the king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet. Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it was written. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly I tell you, Among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet, whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subject to violence, and violent people have been raiding it. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who has come. Matthew, chapter 11, verses 1 through 14. You can tell this scripture is after one of Jesus' dialogues, 
because he starts it with that familiar phrase, after Jesus was done instructing. Matthew is transitioning from Jesus discussing something to his next moment. And in that next moment, Jesus is teaching and preaching in the towns of Galilee, while his disciples are out doing their own work. He sent the disciples out to preach and teach and heal, but that doesn't mean that Jesus stopped doing the same. His ministry doesn't stop just because theirs begins. So this section is particularly from the point of view of Jesus while his disciples are no longer with him. John the Baptist is in prison. John said some true statements about Herod Antipas, one of the tetrarchs, or rulers of a fourth of the province of Judea. But even though they were true, they weren't quite pleasant. They they weren't something you'd say to someone you like. So Herod imprisoned John and would eventually execute him, something we'll hear about a bit later. But while John was sitting in prison, he probably knew that his life would end sooner rather than later. Now, he wasn't wrong. We'll talk about his death just here in a few short weeks. And this understanding allows us to get to the point of his motives behind this question. Because this question is a leading one. John knows that Jesus was important. John baptized Jesus and recognized the divinity that Jesus had in that moment. He heard the voice from heaven say that Jesus was the Son of God. John the Baptist knew all of this. But still, he asked this question, if there's someone else to come. John like Jesus, preached the coming of the kingdom of heaven. And John probably wanted to see that kingdom come. And he knew that his ministry and his life on this earth were coming to an end. He would spend the last days of his life in this prison. He knew that. You never leave a prison if you insult a man like Herod. So in some ways, he may have been seeing if he could push Jesus along, if this kingdom of heaven could come in his lifetime. The idea of a messiah back then was one of a religious revolutionary that would lead a kingdom-wide revolution, throwing off the yoke of the Roman Empire and empowering the Jewish subjects. Most followers of Jesus back then, before the crucifixion, would be quite surprised that we are still talking about this 2,000 years later. They thought the kingdom of heaven would have already changed the entire world. But in some ways, it did. John was getting anxious, sitting in his prison, so he sent out his disciples to see if this Messiah was actually going to do the work the Messiah should do. He was kind of like a a kid poking a turtle or a snake with a stick, trying to see if he can get it to run away. But Jesus used this moment as an opportunity to teach John, and well, everyone who would listen, an important lesson. He first instructs the disciples about what has already happened, the miracles that have taken place, and more importantly, about the good news that has been preached 
particularly to the poor. And not the poor financially, but the poor in spirit. And this summary reflects the very deeds that John the Baptist said the Messiah would do. He's telling these disciples of John that he's doing what John said he would. Jesus is telling them that even though it may not look like the kingdom of heaven has come near, it has. As a pastor, people often wonder what it is I do on a daily basis. They know what I do on Sunday morning, but people don't understand what a minister does the other six days of the week. And the answer is, I spread the good news then, too. I talk to people who need to hear a voice of peace, to just say what Jesus has already told us, but to tell them once again. And what a minister does isn't any different than an average Christian. We're all called to be disciples of Christ, to spread this gospel message. And the fact that the kingdom of heaven has come near doesn't mean that those outside of it can tell that everything's been flipped upside down. But those who listen, those who understand, they know the truth. That's the difference from being on the inside and being out. There's probably been a time in your life where you haven't felt quite as connected to Christ as you might in other points. You might feel as if your faith is a little weaker, even though it probably isn't. You might be going about your life in the same way as you always do, shopping, spending time with your family, going to work, but it might feel different. You might feel less joy, less satisfaction, less peace. You might feel as if there is a hole. Because there is. And the good news, the Spirit, fills that hole. And feeling that hole in your life is the kingdom of heaven coming near. Being one step closer to a God who loves us. Jesus is saying that that fundamental change, the one that John's looking for, has already happened. And John can't see it because he's looking in the wrong places. And instead of looking out his prison window and looking for fire and brimstone, he should instead be looking in his heart and the spirit of those people around him. And then something interesting happens. As John's disciples leave, Jesus compliments John the Baptist. I've always been a big proponent of complimenting someone to their face. I make it a habit of never complimenting someone behind their back. I think people need to hear the compliments and the good things you tell them face to face. I mean, who doesn't like having someone tell them how great they are? So why does Jesus send John's disciples away, the people who could tell John the compliment that Jesus gave him, before he ever compliments John? It just doesn't make any sense to me. But there is a reason for it. Because Jesus says that John is the Elijah, 
the one who marks the coming of the Messiah. But he doesn't enter through the threshold. He knocks at the door, he opens the door, but he doesn't get to walk in. He's like Moses, seeing the promised land but never entering it, but without Moses' shortcomings. In a lot of ways, I feel bad for John. Being an extraordinary man right before an extraordinary time. And I think that's why Jesus sent John's disciples away before he complimented him. Because he doesn't want John to recognize what he's missing out on. Just what he's done. John has been this messenger, letting people know that the Messiah is coming. That a fundamental shift will occur, that there will be a breakdown in the veil of the temple with the crucifixion and the resurrection, that we will now have a personal relationship with our Creator Almighty. But it'll happen after he's gone. And that's what brings us back to the beginning. Sometimes in our lives you feel as if you are further away from God than you do at others. That you can't make sense of what's going on. Now, it may be that nothing's happened to you, that your life has continued just in a mundane fashion, or that something extraordinary has shifted your faith. But in the end, our faith is extraordinary in itself. We are reminded in this passage how amazingly blessed we are to have our faith in the time we have it. The fact that God would bring the kingdom of heaven to us with the crucifixion and the resurrection makes us blessed to just live here and now. John was the best of men born to women, as Jesus tells us. But even that mighty prophet, the Elijah signaling the coming of the Messiah, is less than any of us who live now that the kingdom of God has come near, that that shift has happened. You are blessed to be a person alive right now. You are blessed with the relationship with Jesus. You are blessed to know God. So as your life may change, as things may come and go, and your faith may shift, be reminded of the blessings we have in Jesus, the love that he shares with us freely, and the peace that he has to offer. Now, next week, there will not be a new episode. I'll be at a ministry conference all week, and I just won't have any time to record the podcast, so you'll have to wait an extra week as we jump into chapter 12 and talk a bit about the Sabbath. The Sabbath is something as Christians that we understand in our own context, but it's not something we truly understand biblically, because in the Bible, the Sabbath is described differently than we practice it today. So make sure you tune in not next week, but the week after next, as we discuss the Sabbath. As always, thank you for joining me this week. And while it is true that Jesus drank wine, an occasional glass is different than an addiction. If you need help, please seek it. If you need help but don't know where to look, please reach out to me and I'll be happy to guide you. Blessings, everyone.